let's give her a hand. Hello. So I just want to share with you what God has done in my life, you know, since I got saved until now. And um, just talk about his great power, his great love, but mostly his power. So I experienced his power by deliverance of addiction before I came to MCI. And, you know, I was free from everything that he's taking me out of. And then the new one was um, taking me out of my comfort zone and putting me in a war zone by speaking in new tongues. I did not believe in tongues. I thought they were demonic. Um, all these lies were came to me as soon as I started wondering about God's power. Um, so I came here. I came to the stage a couple of times, and honestly, I didn't. I didn't believe people prayed for me. I felt like a fool because I couldn't do it. And I always told God, God, okay, this time I'm gonna speak in tongues. I got this, you know. And it wasn't about me. It was I, w- I was focusing on I, I, I. And when I finally, you know, he gave, I spoke in tongues. I had to let go and let God. Um, so I just wanted to encourage you guys with that, that, you know, God's power is so much bigger than what we think, you know. And um, if you're afraid of speaking in tongues, I encourage you not to be scared of his power because he's taking you out of your comfort zone and bringing you to the war zone. Even standing up here in front of you guys is out of my comfort zone um, because um, I get scared, you know, just whatever. But I'm not doing this on my own power. I'm doing it through God's power. So I just wanted to share the verse uh, with you guys. But it says, uh, Exodus 9:16. It says, but for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name can be, may be proclaimed in all the earth. So just let, let us pray. God, I just thank you for your power, God. God, I thank you that you're a mighty God. God, I just uh, pray that everyone in this room, God, is filled with your spirit, God. I, I come against any lies, God, and I come anything that... Is not glorifying you, God, and I pray that your power uh, empowers them, your power strengthens them, and that your power um, is exalted here today, God. So I pray for the service, I pray that it is blessed, God, that we have open hearts, open minds, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you guys ready to experience the power of God this morning? Come on, I want you, just like Carol said, to make your way up to this altar. Come on, there's nothing special about this altar, but let me tell you, there's something special about the presence of God. Come on, let me say that again. There's nothing special about this altar or about the people on this stage, but man, there's something special about the presence of God. Can you get alone with Him? Can you get alone with Him this morning? We welcome your power this morning. We welcome the Spirit of God in this place. Holy Ghost you to move in a way that we've never seen God we expect the Lord God a powerful move of your hand God we come with expectation we come with excitement this morning for what you're going to do God give us ears to hear what you're saying to us we open up our heart to hear from you we open up our mind to hear you God what you're saying in worship we want to lift you high in this place we want to raise you high in this place Jesus Come on, if you're ready to raise them high, can you lift up a shout of praise? Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One, two, three, four. Hallelujah, Jesus. Put those hands together this morning. Overcome, we will not be shaken, we will not be moved. 
Father God, that we have the victory this morning. Come on, there is no devil in hell that can keep back the power of God. Come on, there is no addiction, there is no stronghold that can keep back the power of God this morning. Come on, if you believe that, raise up those hands. Raise up those hands. Raise up those hands this morning. God, we're a church that believes in your spirit. We're a church that believes in the power and the majesty of our God. There is no one, oh Father, that can stand in your way. There is nothing that can stand in your way. Come on, if there's something that you're holding up, come on, something that's blocking you from the spirit of God, I want you to just cast that down right now. Come on, cast those things down right now. Come on, say, God, I give you everything. I lay down my pride. I lay down my distraction. I lay down my struggles, God. I lay down my doubt this morning. And I want your power to pierce through, to break through it all, God. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Enemies been defeated. Death couldn't hold you down. We're going to lift our voices.
want to set us up, come on, every all over this room, close your eyes this morning in this place to focus on him. I know there's a fresh word for somebody in this place. And before we hear it, I want you to be ready to hear it. I want you to be ready in your heart and in your spirit to hear it this morning. He's got a word for you. He's got a fresh word for you. Shut up, Jesus, come on, Holy Ghost. Open up this time for you, Holy Ghost. Speak, God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, come on, that word is for you this morning. I want you to come up to him. Come on, come up to him. If you need to come to this altar, you've been playing games. He knows you. He loves you. He's been calling your name. Come on, you need to respond this morning to him. Come on, we need to respond to him. He's calling you, and he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Come on. Come on, surrender to him this morning. Surrender to him.
just thank you, God, that to everyone who calls on your name, you will save. And we thank you, Lord, as your word says, to anyone who asks, they shall receive. And if anyone asks you, Father, for the Holy Ghost, you will give us the Holy Ghost. That's why we sing songs like this, Lord, for you to fill us up. Because we know that there's something, nothing in this world can, can compare with what you offer freely to us, Lord. And Lord, some of us, we're singing that with all of our heart. We're singing, fill me up. We're saying, Lord, I'm desperate. Lord, my life is meaningless if you're not in it. And if I didn't meet you here at church, and if you didn't fill my soul and change my life at church, what did I come for? Some people desire you. Some people know their desperate need for you. But, but there are others who are just singing. They're in the moment. But Lord, even you said, don't, don't just babble and think you'll be heard because of your many words. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, you'll just... Everybody will be connected here right now, Lord. As, as the words have gone forth, as the prophecy has gone forth, that you know us, you know the intimate details of our life, let us not front with you. Let us pour out our hearts before you. Let us, let us cast our cares upon you. Let us lift up our hopes and dreams to you. Let us confess our sins to you as needed. Let us get real with you. And as we sing that song, we sing it from a pure heart. We sing it as the desire of our hearts. So some of us here, we're calling out to fill us up. But some of us here, our first conversation with you is to repent of our sins. For some of us, our first conversation of you is, is to say, Lord, what's next? To, to be obedient to what you want us to do. So I just want to give us all time as the music plays us softly. Commune with Jesus. You may be very uncomfortable right now, but you have to have a real conversation with the living God, not Hail Marys and Our Fathers and not even songs like the ones we've been singing. You need to get real with your God. God already knows you. God already knows you. You can tell him anything, whatever is important to you, Whatever is in your heart, give it to him. And then ask what's important to him to become important to you. I won't say to you a repeat after me prayer, but you can say something like, God, th this is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm living with. These are the pressures. These are the burdens. These are the hopes. These are the cares. These are the sins. And I want you to change my life, God. And I want you to give me a new heart. And I want you to renew me. And I want you to fill my soul with your love and passion. In your own words. In your own words. Even if your words are just, um, God, um, fill me up, please. Even if it's just that, you don't know all the Christianese. You don't have to know the Christianese. Give your heart to the Lord this morning. We're going to sing that in a moment. But before we sing that again, I want us to know we, we mean it. And we know what we're talking about, that the Almighty God can fill our lives. And make us new men and women, that the Almighty God wants to commune with us.
the Almighty God has a vision and a purpose and a plan for each of us. That the Almighty God wants to empower us for things we can never do in our own strength. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being with us as we just take the next few moments. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. scratching the surface yet, but Lord, even what you give us today, it will blow our minds, it will change us, it will renew us, it will restore us, it will guide us, it will move us, Lord. I pray, Father, that everybody here, our heart will be set on you, God, that everyone here will meet with you today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We give it up for Jesus and his love. I want to give you all to uh, find your seat in an attitude of prayer and worship as we have been. And we're going to have the children. They're already uh, being dismissed over here. If you got any kids, uh, send them with Miss Amy to King's Kids.
Good morning. Welcome to Metro Praise International. It's so good to see you. In case you don't know my name, I'm Jared. I'm one of the uh, pastors here at MPI Church. And we take a time out in every service to preach the gospel to you. The gospel is the good news about Jesus Christ. It is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. And we take that time out because not everyone knows Jesus. Not everyone's going to heaven. Let's look at that scripture in John 11. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now before I unpack that, let me tell you what your biggest problem in life is. It's not money. For some of you, you're consumed with money. How I'm going to make money. How I'm going to get out of debt and so on and so forth. For you students, your biggest problem in life is not your GPA. It's not your family. It's not your boyfriend or girlfriend. Your biggest problem is that you're going to die. The wages of sin is death. And I guarantee everybody in this room has sinned against a holy God. And you're going to die. And it's inevitable, it's inescapable, and it's irreversible. Now, you may not believe in life after death, but the man who came from heaven, died for our sins, and raised on the third day says that you continue to exist even after your last breath. And you enter eternity. And in eternity, you experience the consequences of the life you lived here on earth forever and ever, for better or worse. I'm talking about heaven and hell, folks. I'm talking about the blessing of God in His presence forever or the wrath of God cast out from His presence. And your biggest problem is death, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's no diet. There's no medicine. Nothing on earth can save you from this dilemma, from this problem that you have. But Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Let me unpack this here. This was said by Jesus to Martha, who is the sister of Lazarus. Lazarus was Jesus' friend. Lazarus died. He was dead for four days at this point. And Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. And he says to her, your brother will rise again. And then she says back, well, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I don't know if you knew this, but the Bible teaches that everybody will be raised from the dead. Everybody at once. And there are going to be people who are rise to eternal life and others who rise to condemnation. But we're going to live forever whether we want to or not. And she says, yeah, I know he's going to rise eventually. But he says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection is in your presence. The life is in your presence. And that very day, he raised Lazarus. He, he called the Lazarus in the tomb. He said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out. A dead man rose. And Jesus here is saying, I have the power of life and I have the power over death. You can't beat death. I beat death. 
and he is the only one that's going to get you through that precipice. I prayed with my father at his, at his deathbed, and I said to him, Jesus is the only one that's going to get you through this. No one else can solve your death problem. You can't, I can't, Buddha can't, Krishna can't. Nobody. Jesus is the only one. And, and he raised Lazarus that day, but then there's the resurrection that's going to happen at a later time. So it, it displays to us, yes, we're going to live forever in God's kingdom, and that's at the last day. But today, just like Lazarus, you too can be raised. You too, your new life starts today. Do you believe this? A lot of people say, I believe in Jesus, but it's all, it's all uh, lip service. They don't really believe what they say they believe. It's called cultural Christianity. If you've been in church growing up as a kid, you said your whole life, yeah, I believe in Jesus. It meant nothing to you. But the proof is in the pudding. Do you believe in Jesus when your life is at the line? Do you believe in Jesus when it costs you something? That's what we all want to find out. Let's all stand. I want to have a couple of our leaders here. we got Pastor Griselda and Rudy. You want to know Jesus. If you want to put your trust in Jesus, he's the only one that can save you. That What you need to do today, what you need to do ASAP, because you're not promised tomorrow. Your death is inevitable, inescapable, irreversible, and you want to be ready for that day, and Jesus is the only one that can do it. You need to come, uh, come to them. They're going to pray for you. They're going to tell you about the forgiveness and the life that only Jesus gives you and how that's accessible. Let us pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the resurrection life he gives. I pray that everyone who is not raised, their own heart is not raised again, Lord, that they would experience a, a new life today, that they would not leave this building without availing themselves of the new life that you offer to each and every last one of us. To all the forgiveness, the love, the mercy, the peace with God that is available to us through your cross. We thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Amen. We want to recite this creed as a church, as the people of God. Do you believe this? Let's say it together at the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal award of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. We're going to have an opportunity to fellowship. Go and greet your neighbors. If you need Jesus, go to our leaders here.
church this morning. Welcome everybody to Metro Praise. On behalf of the leaders here, we are so thankful that you came to join us to worship the Lord. As you make your way back to your seats, look to your neighbors, say, what's up? Look to your, your other neighbors, say, thank you for coming. Our services here are at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. And every Fridays we have Elevate. That's what I'm talking about. Every Friday at 7 p.m. If this is your first time here, we welcome you. If you did not receive one of these at the front door, our ushers will get them to you. You could tear off the bottom part, drop it in the drop box, and we would love to connect with you throughout the week. So welcome again, visitors. Let's clap it up for all of our first-time visitors today. Amen. Our uh, vision here at MPI is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. How many of you guys love to love God? How many of you love to love people? The two greatest commandments that God gave us. And so that is our vision here. And our discipleship strategy is threefold. We want to connect, mentor, and send. And so first we want to connect you to our life groups. Everybody say life groups. And on the back of your handouts, we have the schedule here that you could pick one to, to belong to. And then we want to give you a snapshot of what's happening this week. So are you guys ready to see what is happening at MPI this week? Somebody make some noise. Woo! All right. So today we have Sunday. We have the worship team, 201 and up, uh, 1230 here at the church. Also happening today is our marriage life group. Come on, married folks, make some noise. That is with child care provided, 5 p.m. And our single mamas are also meeting today with child care provided, 5 p.m. Come on. Wednesday, we have our Righteously Redeemed Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., meeting at the church. Every Wednesday is our King's Kids Life Group. It's infant to 10 years uh, old, from 6.30 to around 8. Parents, you can drop off the kids and then pick them up. Thursday is our other Elevate Life Group, The Resistance, 11 to 18 years old, 6 p.m., meeting at the church. Every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies, one at the Goveas, one at the Walkers, 18 years and up for both, 7 p.m., child care included. And then we have Saturday evangelism, all ages welcome, 5 p.m. Make some noise if you go to evangelism. Come on. All right. And then we want to mentor you. We want to take you through our 101 book, Welcome to Your New Life. We have leaders ready to walk through life with you and help you on your journey to get closer to the Lord. And then when you graduate 101, you get into the 201. This is disciples that make disciples. We'll train you to be a leader, defend the faith, and all that good stuff. And then we want to send you out to win souls. How many of you guys want to win souls for Jesus? The Bible says that he who wins souls is wise. So how many wise folk do I have up in here today? Come on, we want to send you out to your jobs, to the streets. Everywhere we go, we want to be soul winners. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and then 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that, say amen. I want to announce to you our transition uh, starting for Easter. We are going to two services. Who's excited about going to two services? Make some noise. Starting Easter 2015, April 5th, we will be having a 10 a.m. service 
and a 1 p.m. service. And so we want to give you all these um, flyers that the ushers have already been actively passing out down the rows. This is our sermon series for April. Somebody say April. Sermon series. Okay, I, I want you guys to follow with me. Say April. Sermon series. April. Two services. Okay, so 10 and 1, this is our sermon series, Who is Jesus? And I encouraged you last time as the ushers were passing the flyers, we want to drop these everywhere. If you guys wave your hands in the air, if you were just dropping these like they were hot at CTA bus stops, on the train stations, I want to give you another challenge for this week. I want you to make a connection with somebody. I want you to keep dropping them off places, but I want you to personally invite somebody, a waiter, a waitress, somebody that you're meeting, somebody that's cutting your hair. Make a personal connection and say, come to church with me. Do you know Jesus? Do you know where you would go if you were to die, heaven or hell? So I want to challenge you for this week as you pass these out, make personal connections with people. Get their names. Make us, let them know you'll pray for them right there in the spot. Is there anything I could pray with you about? Do you know who Jesus is? That's our sermon series. So encourage them and say, if you don't know who he is, I can tell you right now, and then you could come to my church. So we really want to cover this time in prayer because it it's, it's an exciting time of growth. I'm you guys excited about MPI growing. Amen. So keep passing those out. Encourage your family and friends that you have relationships with already to come. And let's just win the loss for Jesus. How many of you guys want Chicago to be safe for Jesus? Come on. All right. At this time, we are going to um, learn about our tithing lesson, section one in the Disciples Giving book. We are on lesson 11. How many of you guys have been getting some great nuggets out of these um, passages of scripture and lessons from tithing? It just keeps our heart pure before the Lord, and it keeps our focus right. We want, it, we want God's kingdom to come. So lesson 11, the tithe tests our maturity. You can go to givingbook.org, or you can follow along with us right here. If you could turn to your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6, 4 through 7, tithing tests our maturity. The tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. We've been learning that throughout all these lessons in section one. So we want to be faithful givers to God of our tithe. Let's read in Galatians chapter six, four through seven. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Here are the main points. Number one, mature Christians don't compare themselves with others. The tithe is a good example of how each person is individually tested in obedience. No one has a greater or lesser amount. It is 10% for everyone. Think about that. If somebody has a million dollars, 10% of a million does it make it more or less than somebody has a thousand? It's still 10%. The value may look different to us, but for God, it's 10%. The value in our eyes is, oh, somebody who could tithe a million dollars is giving a lot of money. And then somebody who could tithe only off of a thousand is not giving that much. But that's not how God sees it. He sees it as level ground. Whatever you have in your hand, it's 10% and it's fair to you. Whatever you have in your hand, even if it's more or less, it's 10% and it's fair to everybody. Number two, each person should carry their own load. God gives each church the exact amount of people who can carry the financial load. Somebody say amen. So when every disciple tithes, 
the God-ordained vision for the church can be accomplished. And that's why we thank you guys for your generosity week after week because God knows what this church, Metro Praise International, needs to accomplish the vision that God has given to us. And it comes with disciples raising up and saying, I'm going to be a faithful tither, a faithful, generous giver, so that I can see God's kingdom come to this earth. And that's why we thank you for your partnership in God's vision, God's kingdom, not man's vision, not building up our kingdom. You know, Joy and I are not building a mansion in the backyard, okay? This is raising up God's kingdom. And so we want to partner together, as the Bible says, as co-laborers, to do this for him. Amen. Number three, giving to the church supports the teachers. Paul reminded the people that as the disciples are blessed in their lives, it is good to share with the church so the instructors could also be blessed. How many of you guys want your pastors to be paid? How many of you guys go to church to go to your workplaces, your jobs, your careers, and don't get paid? Nobody. So we want to provide for our pastors as well. And you guys have been doing that awesome for Joe and, and myself as the years have gone by. And we want to do that for more pastors as we continue to grow, grow in our staff. We want to provide for all the pastors that work and labor for God. Number four, you reap what you sow. God will not be mocked. You cannot rightly ask God to bless you financially while you are stealing his tenth. However, if you are obedient in your tithe, you can't expect to reap a harvest in your finances. If you sow sparingly, what does the Bible say? You're going to reap sparingly. So if you sow a little bit here and a little bit there, then that's how you're going to get it back. But if you sow abundantly, then you're going to reap abundantly. Let's read the summary. Be a mature disciple. Somebody say mature disciple. By giving your tithe faithfully without complaining so your teachers can be supported and you can reap a harvest. Let's apply this. Number one, repent to God and change your attitude if you have been complaining about tithing and begin to give with a cheerful heart. God wants a cheerful heart. He doesn't want us to be begrudgingly doing this. Number two, gladly receive the honor of sharing in the financial load of the church by tithing and consider yourself a great blessing to your church and its leadership. Number three, as a faithful tither in covenant with God, ask him in prayer to give you a financial harvest so you can be a blessing to your family and your church. Let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. Stand up to your feet with me this morning. If you are ready to give to the Lord, we are going to prepare to give our tithes and offerings to, the, to God this morning, to his church. Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is a 10% of our total income, and we designate our offering to two places, one to missions fund, to fund different missions projects that we uh, like to uh, partner with, and then a building offering fund that we give to various projects where we are currently in a 15-passenger van building fund. And thank you again for your generosity. You saw last week how much we've raised. Let's keep going so we could get that van so that we could bless our city. Let's recite this verse together. Acts 20, 35. 
The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness in our lives. I ask, oh God, that you would continue to bless your people as they faithfully give their tithe and offering to you, that you would multiply, that you would expand their territory, God, that everything that they put their hand to touch would be blessed and favored. And I pray that you would bring increase on their job, increase to this ministry so that we could win the city and win the nations for you. I pray that you would be uh, honored, that this would be a sweet aroma to you, this offering to you, God, that it would be pleasing in your sight. Bless the gift and the giver. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said... Amen. Please come forward as you give this morning, and thank you again for your generosity. Man, how many happy to be in church on a sunny Chicago day? Make some noise. Say whoop, whoop. Awesome. We have one of our finest here today, all the way back from Marine basic training. He has passed the first phase. He's going on to be a real Marine to serve uh, God in the military. Ruben Castro, would you stand up, please? Come on. Let's give it up for Ruben. It's oorah, Marines. Everybody go oorah. All right, thank you for your service, Ruben. You are awesome. Let's hang out later, and uh, I definitely want to take you out to lunch if you have some time this week, so take me up on it. Let's hook up on Facebook. Isn't that awesome to see a young man find his purpose and to fulfill it? And that's actually what we're going to be talking about today, so please open up your Bibles to Ephesians 5. Today's message is going to be God's heart for your purpose. And uh, can one of you guys run up the trackpad, please? I get so excited running up here, I forget the trackpad. So uh, we're going to be learning about your purpose. Everybody say, I have a purpose. Thank you. We are going to get into this today, and it's going to involve your work and your occupation, your job. And your, Thank you, sir. And you're going to learn the difference between your job and your work because there's things you can do for work but not get paid for. A job is an employment and a place where you get paid, but not all work you get paid for. So how many working parents at home do I have for you? Take care of your kids. You love them. You read them stories. Moms and dads, amen, but you don't get paid. That's work, and that's part of your purpose. How many here have a J-O-B, a job, and you put in work? there and you get paid. I want you to understand that both of them are going to play a part of your purpose, employment and working. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. I'm so excited that you're here and I got so much to share. I've got to run through this quick, but as I get ready to do this, let me just add a couple personal notes here. Uh, number one, when you come to church and you hear during the worship time someone shout out, God is speaking, God is saying this, uh, don't get freaked out because we do believe in God speaking through his 
his people. Uh, be honest, have you ever been, were you ever a visitor here at one point and you heard somebody shout out in worship service and that kind of freaked you out, okay? But, but I want you to hear this. This is something we believe is a part of our church that God can speak. And well, something came across today that I just want to reiterate. Some uh, Vanessa gave a word that said, God is letting someone know that if this is a time for you, uh, you've been waiting for a time to adopt, that this is that time, okay? So we take those things serious. And so my wife and I, we're planning on wanting to adopt. And uh, that's something we would have to pray about. Now, that doesn't mean now I adopt. I, I want to adopt, but that doesn't mean it's for me. That could be for somebody else here. So we want to make sure that as a church, that as the church is growing and there's new people coming, that you learn how to pray on what you hear. Because not every word may be for you. Does, does everybody get that? Okay, so I'm just using myself as an example. I want to adopt, but I need to pray and see if that was a word for me. But if there is somebody here that's in the same position I'm in, that may be a very real word for you. That may be very real for you, okay? So just wanted to let you know that. Don't be weirded out, and don't feel like you still don't have the place to pray. Of course you do. We're a church that believes in spiritual gifts. Happened all throughout the Bible. That's how we got the Bible. How many believe in the Bible? That was prophetically spoken by people. I know people say, well, this is the book written by men. Yeah, well, so was your math book, and the math book is supposed to be right, right? It's two plus two, four. Who wrote that, an alien? A man wrote that, so can men be right, right? And, and so inspiration can come from God, and it be coming through man, so that's okay. We don't have a problem with that. Oh, and then the other thing is some of you uh, uh, might have heard my sister was in a car accident uh, Saturday night. Uh, she actually was a pedestrian, so let me clarify. She was hit by a car. Uh, she was drunk. My family struggles with alcoholism, so let me be very honest. My other sister died drinking and driving, so this sister, uh, she was drunk, and she got hit by a car. The person driving the car did not get even a ticket, so we don't know the full story, but I don't think it was his fault or her fault in any way. And uh, I had to go to the hospital yesterday. We had some, uh, she had some brain damage, a concussion, and uh, some vertebrae fractured. But my mom is coming down from Florida, and she just wrote me and said that they have now taken her off the, the breathing ventilator, and they're going to move her out of ICU. So I just want to give God a hand clap for that. Amen, that he's taking care of her. And I just want to ask you, as you know, it's very real. It's probably a little bit TMI. My sister probably would hate me for saying what I just said. She would have just said, just tell them I was in an accident. But I just want you to know the very real part about my family, as I hear a lot of times about your family. Pray for her salvation. Pray that this will be a wake-up call to her. You think that would have happened when my other sister died drinking and driving, but, you know, alcohol still has a big hold on her life. So pray she gets saved. Pray this uh, really wakens her up. And pray she gets healed, because I want my sister. Amen. I want, I want my sister back. And right now she's in, in that intensive care unit and hopefully she'll be out and I can talk to her today. Okay, Ephesians uh, chapter 3, rather I said 5, I meant 3. Ephesians 3.16 is the passage for this whole series, the heart of God. Today we're going to learn about God's heart for your purpose. Everybody say purpose. Thank you. Here we go. Paul's talking. He says, I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Ephesians 3.16. I could probably just stop right there and go and preach my message. That whole part right there is just the, the powerfulest thing you'll ever hear in your life. Out of his glorious riches that he'll strengthen you with his power through uh, his spirit with power in your inner being. Everybody say, I have an inner being. See, what I'm talking about today is your inner being and God giving you power. Now listen to verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So love is the power of God in us by the Spirit. How many people love love? 
okay? You need to get gripped by God's love. Get gripped by God's love. Don't just grip, get gripped by religion or being afraid of hell. Get gripped by the love of God. Think about how much he loves you, what he did for you, and then let that be the motivation to how you live in life and to what you do in life. So that's what we're going to be talking about, your purpose. But you get the power, the energy, the creativity through his love. That's your motivation. Okay? Everybody say love. Thank you. Now look at verse 18. You may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ, and that this love, which and to know this love which surpasses knowledge, you may be filled to the full measure of God, of the fullness of God. How many want to be filled to the full measure of God? Okay, now just look at this last part right here. I love this last part. Everybody just read it with me. One, two, three. Now to him who is to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Do you believe that? Give God a hand clap. Come on, we believe that. Woo, it's all about Jesus. So let me just, I know I read through it fast and messed it up a little bit because I'm so excited, but let me just reiterate this as I've read this, I think for the sixth time, this is all about God's love. It's all about in you, God loving you, you knowing that, and you knowing that his love is bigger than anything you could ever possibly face in life, and because you know that, you can do impossible things. You can do the most amazing things. You can go through things you never thought you could go through because God is with you. And then in the end, God's going to blow your mind. He's going to blow your mind. So let me just give you a few examples about myself, okay? Talking today about purpose. I never thought I would be here. It never crossed my mind. It was never in my imagination. I mean, if you would have asked me, like, when I was a teenager, what I want to be when I grew up, I wouldn't have put being your pastor in Chicago in 2015. But when I got saved at 18 years old, God gripped my heart with love, motivated me to travel from my hometown, from Indiana to New Orleans, then from New Orleans up to here, and now literally the love love of God is compelling me, and I enjoy it. It's awesome, but it's the love of God that compels me to be your pastor, and he has done more than I ever even could have asked for. Isn't that a pretty cool example? Now, how about you? I mean, has there been things in your life that God has done that it just blows your mind? It's beyond what you thought you could even ask for. I mean, let me just start with parents. I mean, some of you obviously thought one day you would have children. But when you held your child in your hands for the very first time, was it not beyond your own imagination of what you thought it would be like? I mean, the first time I hold Bethany in my arms and I knew that this was my... Uh, procreation with my wife. This was my daughter. This wasn't somebody else's daughter. This wasn't somebody else's Facebook pictures. This was mine. Amen. This was my daughter. It was the biggest like form of love and 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 um, relationship I have ever felt in my entire life. Like like I felt closer to her than I did to any other person on the entire planet. That's God's love. Even non-Christians can experience that because parenting comes from God, doesn't it? Or what about some of you and your jobs and your purposes? Now, we're going to get, I'm going to fast forward every now and then to get, give you guys this uh, sermon, so bear with me. The notes are online as well. But uh, you're going to learn today about two kinds of jobs. There's dream jobs and in-between jobs. How many have had some in-between jobs? How many have had some dream jobs? 
See, it, 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 it's part of both of our experiences, dream jobs and in-between jobs. But how many today, and you don't have to raise your hand because I don't want you to make others feel bad who are in an in-between job, but how many of you today can relate to having a dream job that you never really thought you would have or enjoy as much as you do right now? It's tough to come by, I know. It's not always easy, and you don't want to brag. You know, you don't want to make other people feel bad. But dream jobs do come by. They do exist. You, you can find yourself in that kind of a job. And, and, and listen to me. When I talk about a dream job, I'm not saying everybody on your job is dreamy. I'm not saying all your customers are dreamy. I mean, they could be jerks and, and, and be mean sometimes. But I'm saying, like, but where you are and what you're doing, you're like a fish in water. That's what you were made to do. And so so what I'm saying is when you look back on that, isn't that awesome how God brought you to a dream job for you to enjoy what you're doing? Maybe you're teaching today, and it's like, man, I never knew, like, working would be this much fun. I get to teach and, and be a part of these young people's lives because we have a gym teacher here, and I think about Jose, and it's like a dream job for him. And, and, and there's someone here, there's actually a few, but someone here named Jerry who does massages, and it's like her dream job. Where is Jerry? There is, is that your dream job, giving massages? And and, uh, and, I, and, it's, and it's a dream for me for her to live out her dream and to get massages because my name is Joe and I am a massageaholic. And it's, 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 it's something like when you start lifting weights when you're 30 and you're getting close to 40, you get all these joints and aches and pain. It's like, it's like I need to like squeeze some like oil into these things and like just stretch me out. Oh, I love it. And, and uh, I, I was just with some pastors. I'm getting my doctorate. I was at Trinity and uh, I was talking to a missionary to Guadalajara. This guy was awesome. And he said right when, because we were going around eating pizzas, talking about our jobs. And, and, and right before he started talking, he goes, guys, let me just tell you, I've got the best job in the whole world. I get to be a missionary. I get to live in Guadalajara. I get to have my family, and I get to tell uh, where, my family wherever I go, I get to tell people about Jesus. And then immediately when he said that, all the other pastors chimed in, no, 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 I got the dream job. And I know that sounds sometimes like, well, you know, if you're not living in that, you may say, well, I, I wish I had a dream job. Well, we're going to talk to you today about experiencing in-between jobs and dream jobs and for you to believe that you can get that. And if you're saying right now, I can't even imagine that, that's okay because God can go beyond your imagination. Hey, did you just get what I did? I used the word of God to help blow your mind. See, if you're sitting here right now and you're believing that God can give you a dream job, thumbs up. That's awesome. You're, you're operating in faith. But some of you who don't believe yet that God can give you a dream job, that's okay. You came to church, thumbs up. He's still telling you he's got a plan that can blow your mind, go beyond anything that you can think or imagine. You see, anything that you can ask or imagine, he can do immeasurably more. Oh, man. Come on. Does anybody want to hear this message today? Amen. Amen. Let's talk about our purpose. Let me give you some terms. Uh, number one, when we talk about purpose and God having a purpose for you and you knowing God's heart for your purpose, we're talking about the reason why you were created and exist. Now, this is sad in our culture today that children are being taught in evolutionary biology classes, science classes, that the reason why they exist is because a little molecule started off as goo, evolved through the zoo, and then became you. I mean, they're taught that, that they're nothing but random chance and, and mutation over time, and that now they're supposed to be happy, you know. Isn't that sad? What do you think our young people and college-age students are supposed to act like when you tell them they're nothing more than animals? 
Is it any coincidence that on college campuses are some of the most perverted parties and lifestyles, STDs, suicide? Is it any coincidence that's happening on college campuses? I mean, let me just ask you like this. When you think of college campuses, do you think of young people living out their purpose? Like when you think of U of I, do you think there's a ton of young people living out their purpose? Or do you think of a lot of people partying? A lot of young people wasting their life making bad decisions. Now, of course, if you've gone to college and not done that, that's awesome. I mean, you, you knew that your purpose wasn't partying. But let's just be honest. A lot of people go to college for that reason. Do you know that college was never invented for that? You were supposed to go to college knowing your purpose and then get trained to do it. That's why you were supposed to go to college, but now look what our colleges have become. Now ask yourself this question real quick. If we don't believe in God and we don't believe that he created us with a purpose, then why should we listen to governments give us purpose? Why should we listen to parents give us purpose? And why should we listen to any other person give us purpose? I mean, can you think of a reason? I mean, if there isn't a God, why should we listen to other people's purposes? If there isn't a God, then what Hitler did is just as good as what Mother Teresa did, right? Because if you die and you go to the grave, you don't exist after life, you'll be forgotten, you turn to dust. What difference does it make if you're nice to people or you're mean to people? What difference does it make if you were a good parent or a bad parent? See, a lot of times people want to push off God, and then they want to live like God still exists. What this is called is sitting in the lap of God, cursing him out, slapping his face, but yet still sitting in his lap. You see, you have to come to the lap of God's logic and the lap of God's ability to understand things, to actually live life, but then not accepting him is like slapping him in his face. So there's a lot of people who say, you know what? I want to treat my children right. I want to treat my neighbor right. I want to live and be good to others, but I don't want to go to church, and I don't want to read my Bible, and I don't want to live for God. Well, hold on. Why are you doing those things? Well, because I just know it's right. I just know it's right. But hold on. Couldn't someone else say they know it's right to kill, murder, rape, pillage? It's a big question, isn't it? So when I come to you today and say God made you with a purpose, this is not negotiable, really. This is really the answer to your life. And it's your job to find out why you have a desire to get purpose in life. Because really, everybody has that desire. So even atheists today who deny God, they still make it their job to help other people. They make it their purpose to deny God. You ever notice that? Like atheists go around telling other people to be atheists. They make being an atheist a purpose. Well, why do you have a purpose to do that? Do people have a purpose to go around telling everybody Santa Claus doesn't exist? You see, the Bible actually says they're fools and they're fighting against a person they know exists, but they're angry with that person, and that's why they're fighting that battle. They make it to believe that they want you to believe they're doing it just because they're so smart and all that. No, but they're really doing it because they're rebellious. They know there's a God who created them. They just don't like his rules, and they want other people to rebel against him. Because if you really didn't believe there was a God, then you, really didn't think there, then you would really think there wasn't a purpose about it. So why would you waste your time anyway, right? Think about it. Everybody say, I have a purpose. And I'll say this, it's because of God. We've talked about this other in different messages if you want more depth on that. And I'll look at this big definition for work. You all ready to work and twerk this definition? Now, this is the reason why I have a big definition for work is because I want to explain some things in here that I think we get confused sometimes. Let me give you the first definition. Work is activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose. Everybody say physical. Everybody say mental. Do you know that mental work is more strenuous on your body than physical work? Now, you may say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, let me help you understand. 
if you are sitting in an office and you are working with your mind, doing these things mentally, it can result in stress, and stress can have a harmful effect on your body. And if you go just by blood pressure, they asked, they did some surveys. It's in the book Margin. They did some surveys. They had a guy, like, lift, uh, you know, 10 things, and, and, and then they took his blood pressure, and it was, like, you know, somewhat a little bit raised or whatever. And then they had someone try to count backwards from 100, and while they were doing it, they were making background noise, so it became really stressful. That person's blood pressure went up higher doing a mental task than the person doing a physical task. Anybody here do mental tasks a lot and know what I'm talking about? It can actually affect you physically, doesn't it? You feel emotionally wore out. That's why when I was going through my classes, through the doctorate, I did exercise even when I felt mentally and physically exhausted because I needed that rejuvenation. But still, you can understand that physical effort and mental effort are a part of working. But watch this. Some work results in pain and others don't. So this is what I was saying at the beginning. Some of us get paid for our work and some of us don't. And that's what we first need to understand, that not everything I do as work I'll get paid for. Do any moms here get paid for being a mom? But you got to work a lot, don't you? And I know sometimes even in this church, and I want every working mom to hear me, especially working moms, please hear my heart. We have a lot of homeschooling moms. We have a lot of stay-at-home moms here, and that's something we love. But uh, sometimes it's put in a place where it's like the full-time mom, the stay-at-home mom is doing more mom stuff than the mom who's working a job. And so I want to apologize to you on behalf of a pastor if you've ever gotten that message, because that's not what we believe, okay? Uh, we believe that moms who work and also take care of their children are full-time moms and give everything they have to their kids just as much as the moms who stay home and take care of their kids. Can I get an amen for that? Women, did I score any points on that? Okay, y'all can be cooking for me later then. Oh, did he just say that? Yeah, I just said that. You just lost points then. That's okay. Anyways, um, we got to understand that mothers are mothers no matter what. Same thing with fathers because if someone ever said to me, this is why I wanted to say that, because if someone ever said to me, I'm not really a father unless I'm a stay-at-home father, they're about ready to get a backhand from this father across their face, you know, because come on. I mean, even if I have to work outside the home, that doesn't mean that I'm not giving my kids 110% fully involved in their life, right? But I want you to understand this, that God has created you with a purpose to do work, and some of it you'll get paid for, some of, of it you won't. Let's go to the next thing. Everybody say value. Now, when we work, we want to create value in life. When I am working as a parent, I want to create value. When I am working on my job, I want to create value. When I am working here in the church, I want to create value. And I forgot to mention this when I said the work thing, but how many volunteer and work in this church? Can you raise your hand? Let's clap for those who volunteer. Amen. Thank you, guys. Because think about it. If they're taking care of your children in the back, that's a paid position on another day, isn't it? If you were taking care of somebody's children on a Monday, wouldn't you get paid? But they're taking care of your children right now on a Sunday. Isn't that awesome? If you were working in the back on computers on a Monday, you'd be getting paid. But they're doing it today, volunteering. If you were cleaning, doing janitorial work on a Monday, you'd be getting paid. But they do it on a Sunday for free. Isn't that awesome? just wanted to say that too. But wherever we go, we need to work and create value. Now, value is the regard that something is held to deserve the importance, worth, or usefulness of something. Now, remember this, that value does not always equate money. 
detach value from money. There is value in money, but it doesn't always match. Can I give you a few examples of how it doesn't always match? Are there people in the pornography industry that make a lot of money? Do they bring a value to the world? They, do they bring something according to the Bible that is valuable? No, they don't. Have you ever heard of the pet rock? You ever heard of that? Did the pet rock bring value to this world? Now, we got some young people in here that are even younger than me, I know, so it's, it's like you don't know what a pet rock is. Well, like in the, like the late 70s, early 80s, a guy came up with a silly little example to show you how you can make money off anything. So he came up with a pet rock. He put a rock in a box, had some little instructions of how to take care of it, and he sold it, and he made a million dollars. Yes. You make me want to click on the link right now. Let's see what happens when I click on the link if it takes me there. Yeah, there we go. Let me see if I can enlarge this. Here we go. Oh, look at Pastor Joe hooking it up. So there's the little box the rock comes in. And I think that's it. We don't even get to see the rock, you know. But there it is. So this box comes in. Uh, the rock comes in this box. So now it's, it's enthroned in mystery. What does it look like? What does the pet rock look like? Just imagine a rock. Google search it if you don't know, right? Pet rock. Can you go back to the sermon, please? So does a pet rock, this guy worked at this, does it bring value to the world? No, but he made a lot of money, okay? Now watch. Do teachers in Chicago public schools bring a lot of value to Chicago and to students? Do they get paid according to that value? No, they don't. See, look at that. Guy, guy makes a million dollars off a pet rock. Teacher only makes a few thousand dollars a month, right? See, in the world, sometimes we twist value with worth. Value with worth. And not everything has worth that is, oh, not everything that is worth something in money has value. It's not always that way. There are some times that you're going to be asked by God to do things that are valuable but are not going to result in a lot of money. Let me put it to you like that. So let's say you're really smart at what you do. Let me just take my, my doctor, for example, in, in Elgin. So Dr. Thompson works at the Elgin Clinic. He is awesome. I'm sure he can make a lot of money working somewhere other than a clinic. But guess what? He chose to work at a clinic to help those who don't have insurance because my wife and I don't have insurance right now. And then he volunteers his time to go to Haiti, to Africa, and not just spend a few weeks, but he'll go there six months at a time to set up clinics out there. Isn't that pretty awesome? But does he get paid and worth money? Does he have a 401K that reflects that compared to a surgeon in L.A., Hollywood, that's doing nose jobs and other kinds of jobs and doing cosmetic surgery? See, but which one is more valuable? Can we go back to the sermon notes? Which one is more valuable? So can, so can I ask you to remember that when we talk about your dream job? Because some of you, when I said dream job, what were you thinking? This is what you were thinking. You were saying, man, I'll have my dream job if I'm making a lot of this. But that's not how God thinks about your dream job. God is not saying when you make a lot of this, you're going to have your dream job. As a matter of fact, as we get back to the notes, uh, whenever we get back there, we need this. Okay. Would you talk amongst yourselves about the age of technology that we're in? Just talk about technology and the fun things you like to do and. First tab, boom. 
technology. Sometimes you love it. Sometimes you hate it. All right. You guys ready to keep going on with the sermon? Okay. Everybody say Father Filtered. This is the thing we've all got to remember. Remember, I, uh, I talked a little bit at the beginning about between jobs, dream jobs, uh, your purpose and all of that. Guess what? Everything you go through in life, you've got to understand is father filtered. Think of the faucet in your house as water comes through it. What does it go through first? A filter. Who is filtering everything in your life today? Jobs. Oh, jobs. God. <laughs> it's one of those days. Oh, help me, Jesus. I got my preaching rap back there. Can you grab it, too? Because it's getting hot up here, man. I'm sweating. Okay. Who filters everything in your life? God, thank you. So if you have the kind of life, let me start off with this, thank you. If you live in the 21st, we're all in the 21st century, so you live in the 21st century. Who decided that, you or God? God decided that. If you like to do something and you don't like to do another thing, who created that in you? God, he filtered that. If people outside of your control have hurt you, now watch this, done things against you, did God do that to you? But who allowed that to happen? God. You may say God allowed that to happen. Oh, yes, he did. And let me tell you why that's good news. Is because when God first created us and mankind chose evil, he could have destroyed Adam and Eve. And by destroying Adam and Eve, he would have destroyed the destiny of all of their um, their procreation, all of their sons and daughters. If God would have judged sin and wickedness then, you would have never experienced evil on earth, but when you would have been created, you would have been created in hell. Why? Because you would have been damned from the womb. The very fact that God allowed human history to go forward means that God is allowing the evil to be here, but he is redeeming us from the evil. Okay, think about that. So those of you who say, why did God allow evil here? Because God created humanity in Adam and Eve, and he knew the DNA would pass on from them to the end of the human race. So God never does something from the beginning without knowing the end. So when God created Adam and Eve, he knew you would exist. Now the choice after Adam and Eve sinned was one of two choices. Do you exist ultimately in hell and don't have a choice because that is what the human race has been destined for? Or do you get a choice in the human race to choose good over evil? So now in a world that has evil, God redeems us from evil. So you may say, I hate the evil that happened to me, and I hate it too, and God hates it. But you need to thank God that you've had the chance to be alive so that you could know the difference between good and evil. And for some of you who have experienced more evil than others, listen to me. You can even take that as a positive. Why? Because you'll never be lured in to the uh, glitter of evil. You know what evil really results in okay so let's say you were abused by the worst let's say the worst possible scenario you were abused by a parent and this is the most uh, this devastating thing a child is abused by their parent God allowed that for your benefit why because now you have a choice to choose good over evil and if you experienced all of that pain you have the capacity to understand how good God is more than someone who maybe never went to the depths of pain that you have gone to because your pain meter went so deep God can fill you so deep now, you may say, Pastor, I don't want to agree to that story. Well, then you're hopeless then. Because then 
if you don't believe that God is using the evil of this world for your good, then evil has no purpose. You are without hope, and you will die and perish, and there will be no God to make your wrongs right. So think about that. The atheist who points their finger at God and says, look, if there was a God, there would be no evil in this world. I point right back at them and say, because there is a God, you know what evil is. Because there's a God, you know what evil is. And he's going to right those wrongs. But if there is no God, then people who died in the, in the Holocaust are no better off than people who died fighting them. They're dust now. And the abuse that you suffered never gets made right. The abuser gets away with it for eternity. They just turn to dust. But if there is a God, people are held accountable. If there is a God and they ruined their purpose and they took that out on others, they will be held accountable. God rights the wrongs. Hitler doesn't just get to kill himself, start over again in dust and become worm food and it's all just okay now. No, Hitler stands before God and faces judgment. And he'll suffer for what he did. And listen, you will suffer for what you do unless you come to God and repent for your evil. See, did you think you would hear all this today? This is about purpose. Everybody say purpose. Everything is father-filtered. So if I'm in America, it's father-filtered. If there's been abuse in this world, it's father-filtered. If there's pain in this world, famines in this world, it's father-filtered. Doesn't mean he wants it. Doesn't mean he likes it. It means he's working through it. So now go to your job. Go to your purpose. When you get fired, you're going to quit? Or are you going to say, this is father-filtered? God has a plan. When you fail in life, are you going to give up? Or are you going to say, it's father filtered? When people do you wrong in life and you don't think you can achieve your purpose. Anybody see 12 years a slave? When he goes through all the wickedness of man and all that men can do to him, it does have a good ending. But what even if it didn't have a good ending? Would he still praise God and say it's father filtered? That what I suffer here, I'll be rewarded up there. How many believe if you suffer here for Christ, you'll be rewarded up there? How many believe that those people who got beheaded by ISIS are rewarded up there? Do you believe that? How many believe that every evil word spoken against you that you endured is rewarded up there? How many believe that if you've lost a child, you've had devastating things happen to you, but yet you've kept your faith, yet you've kept serving God? How many believe there's a reward up there that it matters, that God says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. You didn't quit. You didn't lash out on me. You stayed faithful. There's a reward for you. See, that's purpose. You cannot let the evil of this world detract you from your purpose. That's where we ended last week, Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work to the good of those who love him, and neither death nor life can separate people from the love of God. That's what God is saying. He's coming in a world of evil and redeeming us. And he's saying, yeah, Pharaoh's been wicked to you. Yes, you've been mistreated. You've been a slave for 400 years, but I'm redeeming you. I'm bringing you out and bringing you in to a promised land. Trust me, I got this. 
But the first thing that happens to not you know you're going to stay in that despair is if you complain, you compare, and you criticize. Those three C's will keep you out of your purpose, and then God's hands are like tied because now God can't deliver you from evil. God has to honor his word and allow you to stay in that until you stop comparing, criticizing, and complaining. But you start praising and declaring. You start saying, God, I don't thank you for the circumstance itself. I thank you that you're with me in the circumstance. Daniel wasn't happy for lions, but he knew part of his purpose was to be in a lion's den. And God brought him out. Joseph didn't thank God that he was sex, a slave trafficked. He was human trafficked. Think about How many know about human trafficking, sex trafficking? Joseph was human trafficked as a slave, and then the woman tried to have sex with him, treat him as a sex slave. Do you think Joseph was happy for his slavery? But yet he praised God in the pit. He praised God when he went to prison. He praised God when God brought him to the palace. He didn't need to be in a palace to know that God was good. He knew that God was good in a pit. He knew that God was good in Potiphar's house. He knew that God was good in prison because God never changed his purpose. God never changed his purpose despite evil in the world. Everything, my friends, is father-filtered. So it's up to you how you flow through that. You can complain, you can criticize, you can compare, or you can get your praise on and start saying, God, I trust you. You know the book of Ephesians, the one we're talking about right now? That was written by Paul in jail. He wasn't on the beach. He was in jail, locked up. Nobody let him out. Hello, he was locked up. He couldn't get out. He was writing letters to people about how good God was. Ephesians, I double-dog dare you to read Ephesians this week. It talks about Christians being seated in heavenly places, that where Christ is, so are they, and that he's given them all these blessings and spiritual powers. He's writing this in jail for his Christian faith. Suffering for not even doing anything wrong wasn't even his fault. But yet he's talking about being filled with the fullness of God. You would think Paul's some motivational speaker writing from Jamaica or the Bahamas. He's writing from jail telling you that God can do more than you imagine. Because he understood whether it was in this life or the life to come that God was bigger than a jail cell. God was bigger than the evil of what people had did to him. God was bigger than what people had said about him. And he knew whether it would happen here or over there, God was going to make it right and blow his mind. He never could even see. Paul couldn't even imagine that 2,000 years you would be reading his letter, sitting here today going, yeah, I need power from the love of God. I need that prayer, Paul. Paul, you praying for me. He couldn't have imagined his prayer would be touching you 2,000 years later. Hello, somebody. You don't know what your suffering is developing in you and others. You don't know the end of the story. We don't know judgment day. And so what if I told you right now I'll give you $100 today or in three months from now if you wait I'll give you $10 million. The choice is yours. You decide which one you want. You can't get both. You either get 100 today or $10 million three months from now. Now if you're really broke and you really need something to eat, you're probably just going to take that 100 right? But if you can hold on, if you can say, you know what, I'm going to wait three months, you know that $10 million is going to be better. 
And I feel like so many of us, the reason why we miss our purpose is because we don't know things are father filtered. And we'll take that quick, that quick fix. We'll take that quick relationship. We'll compromise ourselves for that hundred dollars. We'll lift up the skirt. Come on. We'll sell out. We'll give it all away for a hundred dollars. And God, come on, somebody, is saying, wait on me. He's saying, I'm going to come through for you. He's saying, don't trade your destiny for what you see now. There's something greater beyond what you can see, beyond the scope of your human limitation. There's a God that can do greater. There's a God that can reach beyond what we think is the furthest I can go. I can only go this far, Jesus, in this suffering. I don't think I can make it. And God's saying I can reach beyond that. I can reach beyond your limitation. I can carry you. I'll bring you there. He's just looking for people that trust him. So when we get talking about your purpose today and we get to jobs and, and employment and money and all that, I'm just asking this church to trust God. Trust God. I'm not asking you to deny the evil of the world. I'm not asking you to deny a recession. I'm not asking you to deny the trouble some of you are facing in your family. But I'm saying work. I'm saying work. Get up and give your best to your kids. You may have just started coming to church and you already got teenagers and those teenagers are turning their back on God and it may be hard for you to come here. I'm saying work for your family. You may not get paid. Nobody, nobody may see you, but I'm saying put in work for them. The economy might have shook your whole world upside down and now you're just happy to be a server at McDonald's and you might work by the corporation. that uh, The McDonald's might be by the corporation you used to be by and now your friends come see you at McDonald's. I'm saying work. It doesn't matter the value of what people put on what you're doing. You know it's valuable. You know that everything is father filtered. You know that God has got your back and you're willing to go through this and put in work and put value on that cheeseburger because you're not going to let this thing turn you around and mess you up. You're moving forward. Amen? You're not going to let a circumstance bring you back to the past. You're not going to let stinking thinking ruin your life. You're going to be redeemed in your mind. How many people want to change that stinking thinking into the mind of Christ? Look at this scripture. How many are ready for the service now, the sermon? I mean, that was seriously just the introduction. That was so seriously the introduction. Lord, help me. Vinny, would you come to the keyboard, please, because I might get to preaching again. Look at this. This is the same Paul, same letter, but it's a few chapters earlier. He says, for it's by grace you have been saved. See, it was never about your effort to get your way to heaven. So why would we think it's about our effort to get into that college? Yes, I need to work and study to show myself approved, but God ultimately holds the dean's list in his hand or the acceptance list in his hand. God holds that in his hands. The Bible says that a king doesn't come to power without God's control. Even as wicked as they may be, God is still in control. It's by grace you've been saved, through faith. See, that's that word there. Faith means I'm trusting in what I don't see. I'm believing in what I don't yet have. I'm believing that. You know, so I got young adults. I love seeing you guys fill this up every week because I get to preach at you. How many of you like being preached at right? You guys like it looking good. I want a Julian and Ulysses to stand up because they were doing ushering today for the first time. Look at how sharp they came to church. Praise God. Come on. Amen. Ain't no devil going to get you off your purpose. You got up this morning. 
You came to church. You put on a tie. Some of your friends sleeping in. But you said, I've got to serve Jesus. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Come on. <laughs> These young men got up this morning and said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go, let us go to the house of the Lord. I got to get my praise on. Tell me that wouldn't shock you if you knew who they were before Jesus. Sunday morning, 730, they catching a bus. You know, maybe you just got woke up from your video game or something. You look and there's your friend Julian. There's your friend Ulysses in a tie coming to church. You know God's got a hold of them. Amen. Woo, my man. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by work so that no one can boast. Now look at this as we get into this part about purpose. Because I do got to preach this in 15 minutes. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God knew the situations you would be involved in and he created in you an answer to those problems. See, God knew there would be a war called World War II but he created a government called America to stop the annihilation of the Jewish people. There was a purpose in there. I'm not saying everything America did was right. I'm saying God knew there would be a war, so God created some warriors to go shut down the annihilation of his people. God knew we would live in a time when young people would be on the streets. So he called out young people to have his word and to make a difference. God knew that you would be alive today and that there would be problems. Everybody say problems. Please don't paint the picture that I'm some preacher that puts the, uh, uh, the idea of a big pie in the sky or a yellow brick road on your way to heaven. Please don't put me in that category. I'm not that preacher. I'm telling you there is really evil. Did I not take time to explain that? That might have been uncomfortable for me to take five minutes to explain it, but I did. So I could say this. You are the handiwork of God to solve those problems. Adoption, somebody is solving that problem. Going out to help your neighbor, you're solving that problem. Do you know that jobs are solving problems? You might work at a cell phone store. God knew there would be cell phones. God knew that somebody had to sell cell phones. He put in your heart the desire to sell them. Now, one day it may not be cell phones. It may be something else. But God put in that desire. And if you love what you do, you're fulfilling your purpose because you're helping people get the products that they need. Now, I want you to think about this. Apply it to your life. The purpose you have is to know and love God. So ultimately, wherever you are in life, you can stop and say, I'm here to know and love God. You could be in the worst kind of situation, and you could say, I still got a purpose for being here. Do you know that in jail, Paul was leading his uh, accusers and abusers to the Lord? These, these men who would, uh, these, these soldiers who would torture him, some of them came to Jesus. There's my purpose. I'm going to live for God, even if they mistreat me. Number two, work, whether you're getting paid for it or not, you can do it as unto the Lord. Just, I'm going to do it unto God. If I'm in an in-between job or I'm at my dream job, I'm going to do it unto God. 
If I volunteer in the church, I'm going to do it unto God. If I'm going to take care of my kids, I'm going to do it unto God. See, now it doesn't matter if your boss is good or not. You still do it unto God. Amen? And then third, your value, your value structure changes. You're not determining value and worth based on money. You can ask yourself these three questions about the value of what you do. Number one, do I follow God's commands? And commands are not just don't lie and don't steal. Commands can also be, did you follow the command he gave you? What did he want you to do on this earth? What did he want you to do with those talents? And number two, did you do good for your family? So you're changing your value structure. You know, sometimes people get money, but they lose their family. What would you rather have, money or your family? Now, if you could have both, how many want both? Amen, right? And then thirdly, how about this? You determine to make money in ways that are most enjoyable to the talents you have. You set that as a value system. So now, let's say you're here and, and you love working with animals. So you're going to go work at the zoo. But maybe you have a corporate job and you don't like being in there, but you know you can make more money at, at the corporate America. I'm saying to you, go, go ahead and take that zoo job. Enjoy working at the zoo. Because if you're at that corporate job and you don't like what you do, now that's your fault. You can't blame God for that and you can't blame evil for that. The decisions you make will make you. Everybody think about that. The decisions you make will make you. So there's a, there's a lot of transitioning right now in our culture because one college degree isn't all what it used to be. There's a ton of college people right now working at Starbucks. So the idea isn't we're all just competing by our degrees. The idea is to compete with your passion and become the best at that and let people recognize that talent. I remember talking to some young adults, and I said, how would you like to run something, be in charge? They're like, man, I'd love that. How would you like to make about 40000 50000 a year? Man, that would be awesome. Do you know that managers at McDonald's make that? They run stuff. They're in charge. They make about forty, fifty thousand 50000 a year. But see, the moment I said that, that threw them off because they let that place determine their value. Their value doesn't come from their circumstance. It comes from God. It comes from their family, doing the things that he's asked them to do. Are you guys with me? And so we should understand where we are and what we're doing. And then lastly, applying being father filtered to our lives. In any situation you find yourself in, do your best unto God. And say, if I'm a slave, I'm going to do it unto God. If, if I'm in a low-level job, I'm going to do it unto God. If I'm making a lot of money, I'm going to do it unto, unto God. Because I see two opposite frustrations. I see people that hate their job, and then they blame it on God. And then I see people who love and idolize their job, and they don't come to church no more because they got to get to the lakefront every day to get on their boat. I've met two kinds of people. The one that I see are the happiest are right in the middle. They love their job. They love what they do. They do it unto God, but they don't make that their idol, and they're not going to allow things to throw them off from their purpose. Number two, everything's father filtered. When I'm serving my family, I'm doing it as unto God. You can play a little softly, baby. You got quiet on me. <laughs> Thank you. When, when I'm looking at situations, I'm not letting that throw me off from my family. So take, for example, you may be on your job, and they may say, you know what, we need you to start working nights and weekends. And that's the time you spend with your kids. So now if you started working nights and weekends, you're not even going to see your kids no more. I'm saying you've got to take that decision very serious, and you may have to suffer if you say no. You may not get that promotion, or you may have to look for another job. But your family's worth it, and during that transition, you can know God's on your side. 
You can say, I know this is Father filtered because I'm doing it the right way. I'm not letting evil change who I am. I'm not letting the world and its greed change who I am. Can I get an amen? In closing, let me give you God's heart for your purpose. How many want here today in closing? Amen. My preaching is a little bit long, a little bit shorter than my introduction. Praise God. But here's the three things I believe God wants you to know. It's number one, you are his workmanship. Never forget, God created you to do good things. You've got to believe that. You've got to believe that God created me with these desires, with these talents, with this thing in my heart, and it's ultimately him that I'm responsible to. So that's his heart for you. So no matter what situation you find yourself in, you could say, God, I know you love me. I'm your workmanship, and I'm going to do everything as unto you. Number two, no matter what you do, give it everything you got asking for God's strength. How many have ever heard this scripture? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Should you pray that on your job? You should. Sometimes, let me say this real quick. Sometimes we think, man, I love God. I love my family, but I hate my job. And we think that's okay. I love God. I love my family. I hate my job. I do it just to provide for my family. That's not God's heart for you to be there. I ask you today to change your heart. I ask you today to see it differently. And by the way, nobody's making you be there either, right? So if you're saying I'm stuck, that's just because you're stuck up here in your mind. But ask God before you quit that job, and I don't want people quitting the job, you know, so really I want you to ask God first, God, change my heart. How many here have ever watched the show Undercover Boss? Isn't it amazing what people find joy in life doing? There was a guy who, who was in charge of porta-potties, and he went to go find his employees and see if they enjoyed their job. Now, how many know if you had to take big pipes and stick them into porta-potties and suck out all the nasty stuff every day, how many know that might be a reason to hate your job? On this show, Undercover Boss, this guy's singing, he's whistling. I can't wait to clean this out. I'm going to get all these clean today. Somebody's going to appreciate this. I mean, it just blew my mind. Now, he might have did that because there was a camera there, and he recognized his boss wearing a mustache, and he's like, I better enjoy this. I mean, I don't know the plot behind that story if there's something I don't, I mean, that, that show, but I mean, the bottom line is my father-in-law is a janitor at public schools, cleans the toilets, cleans the floors. Y'all remember janitors? But he loves his job. That's his dream job. Why? Because he found his purpose there. He found that he can help people there. He found that it provides for his family there. And he found that his value wasn't in a toilet. His value was providing for his kids. And God was able to have him do it unto him. Bam. Wouldn't that be something if you're working your dream job right now and you don't even know it? But because you had it up here, you know, you suffered. So that could be true for some of you. I know it was for me in different parts. And the last thing God wants you to know about you about his heart. Turn here with me quickly, 1 John 3, 1. Band, would you come, please? I don't know if we're going to end shouting or we're going to just end in, like, somber prayer. I don't know where this service is going yet. I was shouting a little bit, but it's not about my emotion. It's about the Holy Spirit, amen? I want to be led here at the end, but I, I just want some of you to grasp this in your heart right now. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Gentlemen, would you put it up, please? God wants you to know that you're his workmanship, that everything you're a part of, he's wanting to be a part of with you and to give you strength to do it. And then lastly, that your identity is in him. 
I am not a pastor first. I'm not even a father first. Though those are my most important things I do in life, I get it. But that's not what I am first. You're not an employee first, a boss first, an owner first, a stockbroker first. You know what we are? Look at what it says. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called, what? Children of God. What are you? A child of God. And that is what we are. The reason why the world doesn't know us is that it did not know him. So just because people don't recognize you as a child of God, that doesn't mean you're not. They didn't recognize Jesus. Hello, somebody. You don't crucify somebody you love. They didn't know who he was, and they may not know who you are. So let's start from the bottom, and let's get to the top with Jesus. But all through there, let's be children of God. Amen? So you start from the bottom. You go wherever you're at. Some of you in high school, you start working part-time jobs. You know who you are. You're a child of God. You go to college, you're a child of God. You graduate, you get that job, you're a child of God. You go through some in-between jobs, you're a child of God. One day, you'll retire. Hey, my parents are retired in Florida right now. But you ain't your job. You're still a child of God. And one day, you're going to breathe your last breath. And then you'll see how much God really loved you this whole time. And that he never based his love on your job, on your performances. He based his love on who he was. And you'll look back, hopefully all of us here will look back on our life like us going to the store with our father. We were just going through life with our daddy. We went to school with our daddy. We went to college with our daddy. We got our first jobs with our daddy. We worked and had a career with our daddy. We raised our family with our daddy. We went to the nursing home with our daddy, and now we're with him for all of eternity. He promised never to leave us nor forsake us. I want to invite you to invite God into your life, to invite him onto your job, whether it's an in-between job or a dream job. Invite him into your your family, whether it's a perfect leave it to beaver family or if it's a tore up from the floor up family, invite him into what you do and watch your purpose begin to blossom and the value of what you do impact not only your life but others' lives. Amen. Would you scroll to the bottom, gentlemen, and let's get ready to stand up and shout for Jesus. Look at what this says in 2 Corinthians 9 8. And God is able, somebody say, He is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times having all that you need you will abound in every good work if you believe that would you stand up let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise amen I feel Jesus right now I feel Jesus just wanting to bless some of you today in a special way. Would you just close your eyes and pray with me as the altar workers come? I just want to pray that you'll know that your God in heaven loves you. And today, if you're not a child of God, that you would repent like the prodigal son or daughter and come home. And that today, if you are a child of God, you would begin to let him be in your life and to bless you. Let's start right now with those who don't know God personally.
If you're not a child of God and you don't know that you know if you died today you would go to heaven, would you just right now in your heart, with your own words, repent of your sins and say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. I need you. Maybe some of you haven't been living like you should. You know there's some sins in your life. Would you repent of those things? Get that junk out your trunk right now. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to do that. If you're already right with God, come on, thank Him for the cross as they're praying. If you're already right with God, thank Him that He died for your sins, that today you're not who you used to be. Because we want to wait on some of our friends and family here to call on Jesus, to ask for His forgiveness. Because even though we got a bum deal from Adam and Eve, we've still made our own decisions of evil at times. We've still proven ourselves to be sinners at times. We've made other people's lives miserable at times. We're part of the blame too. But yet God loved us enough to send Jesus to die for us. There is forgiveness in his name. There is new life in his name. Second, third, fourth, fifth chances in his name. Ten more seconds. If you don't know Jesus, come to him right now. If you already do, come on, just thank him for the blood. Thank him for redemption. Thank him for mercy. Thank him for his kindness. In the name of Jesus. Now with every head bowed, we're going to pray for our lives to be filled with the purpose of God. And I'm just going to ask you to do this in two simple ways. Number one. Let's start with your work in your family. Mentally imagine it right now. You're a mom. You're a dad. Think about your children, grandchildren. And right now just say, Lord, bless me abundantly to do all the good that I can in this family. Right now, would you pray that in your own words right now? Come on. Would you bless me, Jesus, so I can have all that I need to be a father? to my four children, oh God. Help me to be a wife. (laughs) Help me be a husband. I don't want to be a wife. Help me to be a husband, Jesus, to my wife. Help me to be the man you called me to be. Right now, even if you just ask Jesus in your heart, everybody, right now in this church, start with your family. If you don't have a family yet, you know you're a mother or father yet, pray for your parents. God, bless my mother. Bless my father. If you're single, say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything right now until you bring me the right person. But everybody, start with your family. You're going to put in work. You're going to put in value. You're going to achieve the purpose God puts you there for. And now number two, would you pray for your job? Only you know if it's an in-between job or a dream job. Like I said, I've asked you to maybe change that perspective this week. God could do it. But no matter how you feel about it right now, would you say, God, bless me. Enable me to do good here. And if I got to go away to another one, lead me. Lead me with a good reputation. And wherever I go, wherever I work, may I honor you. Come on, right now, would you pray that God would use you to fulfill your purpose on your job? You don't have to hate it. God can use you right there. God can use you to serve a purpose, to bring value. In Jesus' name. If you believe it, can you say amen? Would you just look up at me before we go? 
If you have any needs today to come to Jesus or to pray for you if you're sick or if you want to bring your friends or family here to know Jesus or whatever, all these prayer workers are here for you. But I want you to hear today's message in closing. You have a purpose. And if you don't feel you're on track with that, can we pray specifically for you today? We have a church of a lot of young adults, and I know so many young adults feel lost and confused and don't know how to always navigate through life. I want to pray with you today because you are going through something that's father-filtered, and your future looks a lot better than your present, and I just don't want you to trade your $100 for $10 million because God's got your back. Amen? So whatever need you have today, come up, let us pray for you as we sing. But especially, and it doesn't matter if you're young or old, but just no matter what, if you're struggling in your purpose today, can I pray for you or one of these workers? Amen? Rachel, would you pray for us? I just wanted to ask you, I didn't want to put you on the spot, but you're a nurse. Do you love your job? Is it a dream job? Do you always have dream patients, though? No. No, you don't. But you know that God brought you there for a purpose. Amen. Would you pray that all of us would have that heart and be blessed this week? Amen. Thank you. Father, we just want to thank you so much for your word, God, that you have a purpose and a yes. plan for each and every person in this room, from Come the youngest on. to the oldest, God. Yes. And you're not done with us, Father. So, Lord, we say yes and amen to your will. We pray for dreams, God. We pray that our purpose would be fulfilled as we trust you day to day, Father. Let us not get tangled up in the discouragement that might come. But, Lord, we stand firm on your word and your promises, knowing that you got us, Father. So we love you when you pray that you would walk with us this week. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you believe it, can you bless him one more time? We love you, Jesus. Slap your neighbor high five and say, put in work. God bless you. Have a great day. You're dismissed. If you need prayer for anything, come on up and let's pray for you. As the band sings. Yes, Jesus, be the center of our lives today. Let us pray for you as you go if you have any need today. up the needs here today God everything is father filtered oh God yes Lord Jesus you're the Come on, I feel that for some people today, right now. Yes. God is centering your life around him in a new way.
Come on, for those who are just worshiping with us, we're going to sing it one more time. I don't know about you, but I'm so inspired today. This message went through me before it went to you. So it literally has impacted my life and how I look at things. In this song that they picked 